This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. This is Media Week at Ozpod, another special podcasting podcast for you today. My guest, Rachel Brown, we know her from the Trace True Crime Podcast. Hi, Rachel. Hey, James, how are you? Good, good. What have you, you haven't been on a panel yet as we no, tell you, have you? No, soon. Um, we're talking about the um, ethics. Is ethics a dirty word? So ethics and true crime podcasting, which I could probably talk about underwater right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because it's a genre that's just, um, it's, it's really found a, a big audience mm. on, as, a, as podcasts, haven't they? You yeah, know? and look... I, Trace has had the benefit and I've had the benefit of watching others um, that have gone before Trace, obviously, Serial, S-Town, Phoebe's Fall, Barraville, um, just to name a few, and watching, not I'm certainly not singling any of them out, but also watching other overseas true podcasts um, and the pitfalls that they face or I've seen some fall into where there is that danger where you, podcasters can treat crime like a spectator sport and drop into that entertainment bracket, which I certainly didn't want Trace to be. So my early caveat was seeking the blessing of the two James brothers, Mark and Adam. Now they were 13 and 11 years old when their, mur- when their mother, Maria James, was murdered in the back of her Thornbury bookshop where they all lived. Um, So it was very important for me to gauge whether they thought it was a good idea for me to do a journalistic deep dive into their mother's murder. And I also went to the very first detective on the case, Ron Idles. He's now retired, uh, but just to see whether he thought it would be a good thing. And also he became crucial because he was my eyes and ears as Victoria Police didn't let me anywhere near the cold case box. So I, I think for any podcasters it's important to first seek you know, whoever's going to be affected by it to gauge or to use them as a barometer about whether this is going to be a tasteful thing to do or not um, because I certainly don't see it as entertainment. I saw it and we can get to that later. Um, my intention and Jen White from Making Oprah was talking about how important intent is and my intention of this podcast was to try to get answers for the two James brothers um, because I, I believe, and, and Ron Idles believes, that there's someone out in the community holding that missing puzzle piece. So it's about how do we find them? How do we tug on their conscience or their heartstrings? So always having an intent um, in your mind helps kind of bring you back to where you need to be plot-wise, but also ethically. Yeah. Is this your first podcast? It is, yeah. yeah. So I've um, worked on Radio Current Affairs for AM, the AMPM and the World Today programs for the past... Or, um, seven years all up but it, some of those years I was the Europe correspondent based in London but yeah so it's, I usually do daily news so usually part of that daily grind so to work on a case that um, is very close to my heart has, has been you know a really special thing to do. When did you first come across it? I'd covered it a couple of times um, just kind of updates in the case as a general news journalist One of my colleagues did a story in 2013 when Adam James came forward with the startling revelation that he'd been molested by his parish priest and he'd told his mum about this and that was the day that she was set to confront this priest that she was murdered. So my colleague Kerry Ritchie did that story and she said, Rach, stay in touch with Ron because something something's just happened, an interview where witnesses come forward and given a police interview saying that he saw someone covered in blood that day near the crime scene. And so that always niggled at me as to why that information had never been made public. 
and I did wonder whether it had anything to do with church involvement. So that was how Trace was born, basically. My, that niggle and me, the curiosity and wanting to know why what seemed to me as a journalist, um, a meddling journalist, Victoria Police might say, but why nothing was done, or it didn't appear that anything was done with this witness's evidence. Yeah. And how did you sort of come to the... Um, decision that this would make a good podcast? I saw it as a good opportunity for a deep dive, you know, a review going back over the first coronial inquest, going trying to find early suspects. Um, it, it was something, given the nature of the case, and I knew some of the directions it could head in, given Adam's revelation, um, and you just couldn't do that in even in a long form piece on television. You couldn't do it. So I just it, the, podcasting had started to work its way out of that niche market that I feel it was sitting in before, and I just saw it as a good opportunity. And in hindsight, it's done these beautiful things that I not even I had seen that makes it so this story so perfect for this medium. Adam James, for example. I sat with him for about four or five hours in an interview that we probably got about uh, maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes of usable audio. So I should, sorry, I should explain, Adam James has cerebral palsy and Tourette's. So there was a lot of stuttering. Um, He dropped into third person a lot. It was very challenging for me as an interviewer. Um, and I, I, you know, I care a lot about him and he was visibly upset. So we had a lot of breaks and giving him that space and being, and having the time as a daily news journal, you can't spend five hours with someone, but having the time to go, it's okay, Adam, we'll have a break. We'll talk about the footy. How's Fitzroy going? You know, and that's something so beautiful about podcasting that I don't think it's spoken about enough that it's the time that you can give an interview and it's the space and the the comfort and the luxury of space you can give interviewees that might want to be anonymous, might be uncomfortable, might have a disability and might take them longer to get their story out. So I think that was another um, asset of Trace. Yeah. Did you end up with a lot of material? Was it a challenge ever to work out, okay, how am I going to put this together? Yeah, and I... (laughs) my poor um, script editor, we had a lot of debates, shall we say. Um, It became a bit of a dance. I had so much detail because I felt so close to this story and a lot of insights and observations from me, they they all got stripped out. Um, A lot of the colour I felt got stripped out and it was just, but the plot careers along Um, and listening back, they were right to do that but it was a lot of killing your darlings because of the amount of information that we'd gathered Um, and also there's 50 interviews at least that I did that you'll never hear that were done as corroborative interviews just to shore up facts because so much of the material that we're dealing with um, is from 37 years ago so I needed to check stories I needed to check events and things like that. Can a reporter get um, too obsessed with a story get too close to it? Yeah um but I don't... Or they, on the other hand, do you need to sometimes? Yeah, you do. I was just about to say, I, can't, I couldn't have done this without being this close to it. Um, and the intensity of investigating something that's 37 years old, it's legwork that you won't even... You might hear bits of it in the podcast, but you can't... Listeners can't possibly understand the hours spent at the Electoral Commission searching through roles to get people's addresses and then waiting and hoping that they arrive and hoping that they'll talk to you. 
um, the weight for sex abuse victims, giving them the time, making an early approach to a relative or a friend, saying this is what I want to do, giving them weeks, perhaps months to get back to me. Um, so I had no social life. <laughs> um, you know, exercise went down, seeing my mates went down, holidays got put off, weddings got cancelled, overseas mates' weddings. But I don't think I could have done it any other way. Um, and I felt I owed it to the boys to give it my best shot for them. So, you know, I wouldn't... I'd do, I'd do it all the same again. I've, I've been lucky enough to spend a bit of time with Dan Box and we talked about Bowerable yeah. and uh, the Queen and Zach Grieve. And he spoke a little bit about the differences of... Because he, he was just a print journalist, and then he did his audio podcast, and then he started to turn up with a video camera. Yeah. And the different... Um, and, and I talked a little bit about that from with Martin, who did Black Hands in New Zealand as well. But but so that does change the dynamic of the reporter, doesn't it? Of but, course. So I talked about with Martin, though, but then maybe not as much as we think because everybody's got a mobile phone they're shooting video and so maybe in some ways people are a bit more used to I that guess that's who the media. yeah I guess that's who the person is I know certainly for Adam he wouldn't have been able to give the same interview with a camera stuck in his face it's just and some some people are genuine genuinely jittery nervous people as well um people who don't have disabilities so I do feel people and you can see as soon as you hit that as soon as your cameraman hits that red button you can, you can visibly see them tense up. So that's one thing that I just love. One of the many things I love about this medium is just the intimacy and the microphone and the recorder does... It fades away after 10 minutes and it's just you and this other person in the room. The, the, the anonymity was really important for me too, um, for Trace and the sex abuse victims. So the medium also allowed that where needs be. Yeah. Were there many people you would have liked to get who really didn't want to be recorded? Someone else asked me that today. The only person that said no that I really wanted to speak to was Peter O'Callaghan. He's the Independent Commissioner for the Catholic Church. And I had so many questions that I wanted to put to him about James Shanahan, the man in episode three. Um, now, James's claims were accepted by Peter O'Callaghan, but the, the, the quote was substantially accepted. So I, I had so many questions for him. Um, I didn't expect him to say yes. He kindly replied to a couple of my emails, but just basically saying, well, that's, that's what I found and that's all I'm going to give you. Um, but generally, I was floored by the generosity of, of victims, you know, broken people who gave me interviews about their childhoods um, to help a family and I hadn't told them what I was investigating because I quarterized the investigation into three separate parts because I didn't want people that I was interviewing about O'Keefe, for example, um, Father O'Keefe, another pedophile priest, to know that I was looking into the Maria James murder. I wanted their accounts to be completely untainted. So you've got these victims telling me these horrific stories just because I said they could help a family you know, and that I just was floored by that—that that generosity. The, um, do you have to be mindful of keeping a relationship with someone when, mm. they, if they maybe reveal things that they might be uncomfortable about? Yeah. What, how do you react to that? And, and how do you deal with it? Do you, do you mean to go back to them? Say, if someone's really poured their heart out, yeah, to you and they've maybe gone farther than they realise. Okay. 
and you come to the editing and you think, gee, they might be uncomfortable yeah. if we use this. What do you, I rarely do this as a journalist, but there, there were occasions in Trace that I went back to people and I said, look, how do you feel about me saying this? Um, most of it stayed in. Some things came out. Um, and given so many of these people are so um, damaged and I don't want to exacerbate that trauma. So if something that I run would do that, you know, I've, I've, so I put things to them that, like I said, a journalist, we, we never usually reveal what we're going to say, but it was important this time for people's mental health. Um, some of the victims, you know, um, have attempted suicide in the past and we really have to be delicate with it's issues like this. a responsibility almost. Of course. To, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have done that regardless, yeah. um, but it was extra important this time around. Tell us about the reception after it came out. To maybe, has it all been good or is it... What? It's just, it's been phenomenal. Um, I've, I've been sincerely blown away with the reception. I was worried that it would be too dark for people um, or they might have, after the Royal Commission, they might be exhausted with so many stories about um, child sex abuse. But to listeners' credit, not only have they, you know, kind of taken it in, in in droves, but they've been so emotionally invested that they want to help. So we had a special, still have a special email address, trace at abc.net.au. And we got, over the course of the podcast, about 200 or 250 emails, some of support to Mark and Adam James others support to the Trace team, um, but a lot of fresh leads. And that was the most amazing thing because we could incorporate these leads and chase them up as Trace was going to air. So it was evolving. Um, and for me, that was the nicest surprise because I know podcasts can have a long tail. And I thought that some of these crucial leads might come in in November or next June and there mightn't be too much I could do. But they were coming in as we were doing it. So I really can't thank listeners enough for showing that amount of support and for feeling so invested in helping the James boys find an answer. Yeah. How long was the whole process? <laughs> um, I pitched the idea in March last year. Um, so I, I had the idea, I spoke to Mark and Adam, James got their blessing, spoke to Ron Idles, approached Victoria Police, saw what they, if they thought that there would be a project of merit. Thankfully they said it, yes. Um, pitched it in March and then it didn't get commissioned until November um, so it was a long fight and it was me doing interviews and research in my own time around my shift work um, which was quite traumatic given the nature of the stories that I was listening to um, ABC had never done anything like this before ABC News had never done a podcast before um, so I was partnered up with Radio National so it was, it was a tough slog, I'm not going to lie, um, but I'm so proud of it just to see the amazing way it's resounded with people. It's really struck a chord um, and it's, I feel that the, the tone of it, we just hit the really nice tone. I wanted to be forensic, but I also wanted to be really compassionate for the people involved because it's their life. It's not, it's not an entertainment podcast um, and I was really careful about that. Um, so I, I feel, hopefully you feel the same, I feel like we did get that balance right and I think listeners have respected us for that. Yeah. 
it's are there any numbers you can rattle off? It's done some amazing figures, hasn't it? What yeah, I mean, I don't like talking figures because I don't want to see it as a ratings thing. Know, um, it it's it's hard, right? yeah. But but I feel heartened. So 1.1 million listeners downloaded it in June, July. So over that month that it went to air. Yeah. And for me, that that what that figure means to me is there is over a million people that have heard these brother stories that you know, and a lot of them tried to help. So. And what that means for me, not only for the James family, but perhaps this model could help other families, you know. And so it's nice to be able to use my journalistic skills to help families. And it's been a really um, good example of the way you can mobilise huge audiences. You know, Victoria Police might be able to use that in the future. And they've actually released a sex assault podcast this week called Unspeakable. So I think people are starting to realise that this is an amazing way to reach people. With mine, I was trying to get in touch with people from 37 years ago, so we're talking about maybe mums and dads or grandmas that don't know what the hell a podcast is. So I always tried to explain on local radio crosses, you know, maybe your mum or your grandma used to live there and can you go and explain to her, teach her how to, how to how podcasts work. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah, so you mentioned how you were sort of handling it, but did you get depressed at times oh, did you God, find yeah. did you ever question oh what am I doing yeah it, you know should I stop should I keep going yeah I yes um it was it just it was traumatic because I was like I said I was hearing all these traumatic stories and I wasn't getting anywhere I felt with the ABC so I kind of thought what am I doing what am I what am, why am I putting myself through this and a good friend um Kerry Ritchie who was the one that gave me the tip off about the electrician um, seeing Buongiorno allegedly covered in blood that day, she said, just remember why we're doing this. And that was before I mentioned Jen White talking about intent. So everything came back to that touchstone. And that got me through, I think. Because why am I doing it? Well, I'm trying to help them get an answer. So I just, they're, they're still fighting. Ron Idles is still fighting. I'm going to keep fighting. But the lowest, the day that I was at my lowest and I was in tears and I went to my letterbox and pulled out a... Um, pamphlet like junk mail and I thought well that's weird because contained apartment we don't get junk mail Um, and it was a real estate pamphlet and the real estate agent was the very next person on my list I needed to call because I thought he was the one having an affair with her when she was murdered so it was you know it was that moment of like eyes to the heavens thinking all right all right all right I get it I get it yeah (laughs) as weird as that sounds um yeah, little odd things have happened along the way that have made me think that I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Can you understand some people just find this stuff really hard to listen to? I mean, of course. I've got, I've got some family members who will just turn off the radio when a case like this comes on because yeah. they just can't deal Because with of it. the Catholic element or the sex abuse element or all of it? Yeah, both, I guess. Yeah. 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 Of um, course I understand that. Yeah. And to be honest, I didn't know it was going to go that way. Like, I, I think I say in episode one, I was investigating a murder and then things got dark. So I, I was totally unprepared for this, um, and I hope I've done it justice. Um, but it also meant checking in with the counsellor to check that I was using the right language with damaged people I was dealing with. I was, I was just completely... I just thought this was way over my head. Um, but at the same time, important stories, and I know they're horrible, but life's horrible sometimes, and these yeah, stories need to be told. But right, I appreciate they're hard for people to listen to. Sure. Mm. How has this changed your career? Has it made you want to do anything different? or? I, I hope to keep doing this. I like the, the daily grind that I was doing um, 
And you say that affectionately in a way, don't you, or not? No. <laughs> um, I so mean, you can't I, go I was. Back to that, was or I, I can. Um, okay. it's, it's obviously hugely important, but there was I. I've been working at the ABC for 15 years now, and I just thought I'd love there. I'd love to be able to use my skills, uh, investigative skills, and think, wow, I'm really helping someone with that. And the daily grind—it's so important. And those daily news stories on AM, PM—I'm certainly not diminishing that. But there's just no time to dig because there's all that airtime that you have to fill. Yeah. So to you know, be able to... Get the story, get it back, put it on air, move yeah, on to the next one. exactly. So I guess it's pros and cons. There's no time to dig, but you can go home at the end of the day and go to your netball match or go out for dinner. Whereas this, I had the luxury of time to dig. Um, a lot of it, as I said, was in my own time last year, but on work time this year. Um, but it's all, it was always with me. So I'd wake up and I'd be thinking about it. I'd go to sleep thinking about it. I'd I've had terrible nightmares about it. Um, so I guess that's the downside of working on a project. It does completely consume you. Yeah. Um, but I do want to keep doing work like this. If I can use my skills to help families um, and really explore the potential of the podcast space, I think that's, I can't think of any better way to spend my job, really. The nightmares would have been freaking me because you can't control No, I know. Um, they've stopped, thank God. Yeah. Um, but they were quite intense for about two or three weeks. <sighs> But I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, we yeah. can tell just sitting here. <laughs> yeah. It's still really a yeah. powerful thing, isn't it? You I know? still wake up sometimes um, with a racing heart, but I don't remember. So the difference is now I don't remember what I was dreaming about, whereas then I did. Like, there was a horrific string of... Yeah, I won't go into it. No, but, no, yeah, no. it does. It's It's got to take its toll. And, I've God, I feel for police officers and, you know, sex assault counsellors because I don't know... Hat, hat off to them. I don't know how they do this every day. Sure, mm. sure. What, what, what stage are you at now? Are you looking, have you found another project or are you looking? Um, I'm still working on Trace. So we're hoping to do updates when the coroner decides whether or not she'll reopen the inquiry. I'm hoping that she does. If she does, I'm waiting to see whether that will mean a new inquest and we could perhaps cover the inquest. Um, that's one prong. So there could Another, be a lot to go with. Yeah. Um, I'm also waiting for Victoria Police to retest Maria James's exhibits. Now... They, in episode four, you learn that all along for the last 16 years, they've been using a particular sample that they, um, from the crime scene, that they got a uh, profile, DNA profile of the killer. And that they were using that to, you know, keep suspects in the frame or rule them out. Um, and Father Bongiorno was actually eliminated on the basis of this suspect. But I learned that that was an error. Um, a sample from a completely different crime scene was put in Marie James's evidence bag. And so that sent them on a wild goose chase for the last 16 years. And that broke my heart because I thought, well, I didn't want Trace's answer to Mark James to be, you're never going to have an answer because there's no DNA. Um, so that was really difficult. But at the same time, on the flip side, now we know what the stumbling block has been for all these years. And now hopefully the case can move forward. So Victoria Police is currently retesting all of Marie James's remaining exhibits. And I'm hoping that they find a stain or blood or something on her exhibits that they can then hopefully get a new DNA profile of the killer and then they can go back and retest suspects. Yeah, yeah, because obviously at the, when the case was first um, conducted, it's a lot different, isn't it? What they can uh, find yeah, and there, they know. I mean they worked out of her house police worked out of her house and they were using her cutlery and her barbecue and it was really quite that was one of the fascinating things doing this podcast learning about the era mm. you know in this case was the first time that Victoria police 
um, used hypnotism. They hypnotised a witness to see whether they could remember any more. And I just, I found that fascinating. And imagine working in a dead woman's house. And even Ron Idles now says, looking back, yeah, that was weird. But that, this was his first case, so he just thought it was normal. Yeah, it was a yeah. crime scene too. Yeah. It wasn't really a And I mean, I'm sure... And all that yeah, and I'm sure they would have roped it all. You know, they were working in her okay. dining room, so I'm not certainly not suggesting they contaminated the scene, but even just basing themselves there and working out of there 14, 16 hours a day is it's incredible. Yeah. Do you listen to much other stuff in the genre? I'm not saying for relaxation, but mm. just out of interest? Or? Yeah, I did before um, to learn what to do, what not to do. Um, tone, music just for kind of market research really and then when I started mine I haven't had time Um, and also a lot of people are saying things like oh you should watch the um, Keepers on Netflix and I just can't have any more dark stuff in my head at the moment so no, not not at the moment Um, I've been just preoccupied with Trace (laughs) (laughs) and you would have noticed though it's a I don't know, exploding genre. Mm. You know, I don't want to dramatise yeah. it, but, but it is, isn't it? I mean, there's just lots of it now. And, and I think that's where we're going to have to be careful. Like, if, if people come become competitive with that, um, it cannot be entertainment. Mm. And that's the risk that people are going to have to avoid, I think. Yeah. Um, if it can be done to help someone, to help get answers, to illuminate issues impropriety in the Catholic Church or perhaps corruption within organisations, yes. Um, But if you're doing it for purely entertainment, I think if that's your answer, then that's you shouldn't be doing it. Sure, sure. Well, it's been fascinating uh, hearing all about it. And um, so, yeah, so for the time being, you'll be just following what happens in this case. Mm. And then... um and then we'll see what else you get up to. Yeah, I might have a little break. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah. It sounds like But if there one. are updates, you will get Because this is still all really, I mean, it's all very recent, isn't it? And there's, there's certain things now I can't do. Yeah. I can't run around Victoria swiping people's DNA. So right. I've done as much, you know, and I've collected as much as I can for the time being. I'm still chasing following up new leads, of course, people emailing in. But there are certain things that Victoria Police and the coroner have to do now. Um, so I'm largely waiting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Fascinating. Rachel Brown, thanks for joining us today.